After reciting the Tashahud Da'auz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalid Masih V, Ayyullah Dalar ibn Aziz, stated, Previously, the difficulties faced by Hazrat Abu Bakr after becoming the Khalifa were being mentioned. The first of these difficulties that was mentioned was the grief and sorrow owing to the demise of the Holy Prophet Although this was felt by every Muslim, Hazrat Abu Bakr was impacted and saddened by this the most, as he was his companion from his early childhood. Furthermore, no one possessed the same level of sincerity and no one had pondered over the deeper meanings of pledging allegiance and understood its essence more. However, at that time, he showed great courage and faith. It has been mentioned already that the first delicate and distressful trial was that of the demise of the Holy Prophet which had saddened the companions to such an extent that it was hard for them to get a hold of themselves. No one could cope with this sudden shock. No one could even imagine being distanced from the Holy Prophet The demise of the Holy Prophet was so severe and painful that many prominent companions were saddened to the extent that it was difficult for them to overcome their grief. The state of Hazrat Umar was even worse due to his immense love for the Holy Prophet He stood up with his sword and said, Whoever says that the Holy Prophet has passed away, I will sever his head from his body. This response was such that the Muslims became perplexed as to whether the Holy Prophet had passed away or not. Hazrat 
Furthermore, it was nigh that these ardent devotees, due to their love for the Holy Prophet, would forget the principal aspect of the unity of God and proclaim that the Holy Prophet could never pass away and that he was alive. At that time, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu, entered Masjid Nabawi and addressing the people that had gathered there said, O people, Man kana minkum ya'budu Muhammadan فَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا قَدْ مَاتْ وَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ يَعْبُدُ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ حَيٌّ لَا Meaning, whoever of you worshipped Muhammad, know that Muhammad has passed away. And whoever of you worshipped Allah, rejoice that Allah is alive and will never pass away. Despite his immense and unmatched love for the Holy Prophet, he reminded them about the unity of God. Following this, he said, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلُ أَوْ قُتِلًا قَلَبْتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ Meaning, and Muhammad is but a messenger. Verily, all messengers have passed away before him. Why then would the Holy Prophet not pass away? If then he dies or is slain, will you turn back on your heels and leave Islam? In this manner, Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu uplifted the morale of the companions with the utmost courage and wisdom. On the one hand, he became the means of soothing the hearts of these devotees who were in great distress. And on the other hand, as it were, he strengthened the trembling edifice of the unity of God. The promised Messiah states, He recited a verse of the Holy Quran in an open gathering and by doing so, he removed every thought that had formed within the minds of the companions in relation to the Holy Prophet being alive. Along with this, he also uprooted the false concept in relation to Jesus being alive, which had formed in the hearts of some individuals as a result of not fully contemplating over the traditions of the Holy Prophet After being elected as the Khalifa, the second difficult task or grief that he had to endure and the way in which he handled the situation and carried it out was in relation to how he regrouped the Muslim Ummah and united them as one. Another potentially alarming matter after the demise of the Holy Prophet was the gathering of the Ansar in the courtyard of the Banu Sa'idah. Initially, it seemed as though neither the Ansar were prepared to accept anyone from among the Muhajireen as their leader or caliph, nor were the Muhajireen willing to elect anyone from among the Ansar as the caliph. And the situation was very close to escalating from mere talk of differing views to the use of swords. In this delicate hour, Allah the Almighty placed such an effect in the speech of Hazrat Abu Bakr 
and caused the hearts of the people to incline towards him, that this entire disagreement transformed into love and unity at once. This is what the Promised Messiah has mentioned. Just as the children of Israel listened to Joshua after the demise of Moses and did not disagree, and they all showed obedience to Joshua son of Nun, the same was the case on the occasion with Hazrat Abu Bakr, where despite suffering greatly due to the departure of the Holy Prophet they all wholeheartedly accepted the caliphate of Hazrat Abu Bakr. The third important matter and grave trial which had to be contended with and the manner in which Hazrat Abu Bakr accomplished it was regarding the sending off of Hazrat Osama's army. The Holy Prophet had prepared this army to be sent to the borders of Syria to combat the Byzantines. After the battles of Mota and Tabuk, the Holy Prophet feared lest the Byzantines launch an attack against the Arabs due to the growing quarrels between the Muslims and the Christians and owing to the mischief-making of the Jews. During the Battle of Mota, three commanders of the Muslims, Hazrat Zaid, Hazrat Ja'far and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha, were martyred one after the other. Mota is a fertile land situated in the east of Jordan. Nonetheless, in relation to this, Hazrat Anas relates, The Holy Prophet had foretold the people of the demise of Hazrat Zayd, Hazrat Jafar and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha before anyone even had any knowledge of it. The Holy Prophet stated, Zayd took hold of the banner and was martyred. Then Jafar took hold of it and he too was martyred. Thereafter, Ibn Rawaha held the banner and he was also martyred. The Holy Prophet's tears were flowing in this moment. He then stated, Eventually, one of the swords of Allah, i.e. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, took hold of the banner until Allah the Almighty granted victory over the enemies. The Holy Prophet then set off himself with the Muslims towards Tabuk. However, the opponents did not have the courage to meet the Muslims in the battlefield. They felt that they would be safeguarded from the attack of the Muslims by entering and remaining in the inner parts of Syria. As a result of these battles, the Byzantines devised a very dangerous plot against the Muslims. And they began preparing to advance towards the borders of the Arab lands. For this reason, as a preemptive measure, the Holy Prophet instructed Osama to march towards Syria. But it also served another purpose, which was to avenge the martyrs of the Battle of Mota. The preparations of Hazrat Osama's army were complete on a Saturday, two days prior to the demise of the Holy Prophet, but the preparations had begun before his final illness. In fact, it was in the end of the month of Safar that the Holy Prophet gave the order to prepare to fight against the Byzantines. He called Hazrat Osama and said, Go towards the place where your father was martyred and crush them beneath your horses. I appoint you as the commander-in-chief of this army. 
In another narration, it is reported that the Holy Prophet said, Trample over the land of Balqa and Darum with horses. This meant that the people of this land were eager for warfare, so you should combat with full force. Balqa is a region in Syria, located somewhere between Damascus and the Valley of Qura. Darum is located in Palestine en route to Egypt after passing from Gaza. This is what has been written with regards to their description. Nonetheless, while giving the command to set out for Syria, the Holy Prophet said, Attack the people of Ubna at first light. Ubna is also a region in Syria towards Balqa, and hasten towards them so that you reach them before they learn of your coming. Thus, if Allah the Almighty grants you victory, then stay there for only a brief period. Keep your guides with you and send your informants and spies ahead. The Holy Prophet tied a flag for Hazrat Usama with his own hands and then said, With the name of Allah, go forth and undertake this jihad in his way and fight against those who reject Allah. Hazrat Usama took the flag tied by the Holy Prophet and departed. He entrusted the flag to Hazrat Buraida bin Husayb and gathered the army at Jurf. Jurf is a place located three miles north of Medina. Nonetheless, there was not a single person among the most esteemed Majreen and Ansar that remained behind and was not called for this battle. Among them was Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin Al Jarrah, Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas, Hazrat Sa'id bin Zaid, Hazrat Qatada bin Nauman. Anhum, and Hazrat Salma bin Aslam. Some people began to talk and say that a boy has been appointed as the commander over the distinguished Muhajirin. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet became very upset. He had wrapped a cloth around his head and placed a cloak over himself. He stood at the pulpit, praised and glorified Allah, and then said, O people, I have heard the things some of you have said about me appointing Osama as the commander. Let it be known that if you have spoken against the fact that I am appointing Osama as a commander, then you have already done so once before when I appointed his father as the commander. I swear by God that he was deserving of leadership, and after him his son is also worthy of leadership. He was among those who are most dear to me, and surely both of them can be expected to demonstrate every sort of virtue and goodness. Thus, take this advice and think well of him, i.e. of Osama, because he is among the best of you. This took place on 10 Rabi'ul Awal, a Saturday, which was two days prior to the demise of the Holy Prophet Those Muslims who were setting out with Hazrat Osama said their farewells to the Holy Prophet and joined the army that was gathering at Jurf. Even though the illness of the Holy Prophet increased, he emphasized that the army of Hazrat Usama should be dispatched. On Sunday, the ailment of the Holy Prophet grew further. When Hazrat Usama came from the army camp, the Holy Prophet was in a state of unconsciousness. 
That day the people also gave medicine to him. Hazrat Usama lowered his head and kissed the Holy Prophet The Holy Prophet could not speak, but he raised both hands towards the sky and placed his hands on Hazrat Usama's head. Hazrat Usama says, I understood that he was praying for me. Hazrat Usama returned to his army. On Monday, once again, Hazrat Usama came to the Holy Prophet. At that time, the Holy Prophet felt some relief. He told Hazrat Usama, with the blessings of Allah, depart now. After seeking permission from the Holy Prophet Hazrat Usama returned to his army and commanded the people to march forward. He had just begun his journey when a message was brought to him by a man sent by his mother, Umm Ayman, saying that it seems as though the final moments of the life of the Holy Prophet are approaching. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Usama came to the Holy Prophet There he found Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Abu Ubaidah and at that moment the Holy Prophet was in his final moments. On Monday, 12th Rabi'ul Awal, after the sun had set, the Holy Prophet passed away. Because of this, the Muslim army at Jurf returned to Medina and Hazrat Buraidah bin Husayb brought Hazrat Usama's flag and posted it by the door of the Holy Prophet According to one narration, when the army of Hazrat Usama was at the Khushab, the Holy Prophet passed away. The Khushab is a valley located en route from Medina towards Syria. Nonetheless, after the Pledge of Allegiance was taken at the hands of Hazrat Abu Bakr, he commanded Hazrat Buraida bin Husayb to take the flag and go to Hazrat Usama's home so that he may depart and fulfill his duty. Hazrat Buraida took the flag to the original place of the army. The army is reported to have been 3,000 strong, while according to another narration, Hazrat Usama bin Zayed was sent to Syria with an army of 700 soldiers. In one narration, it is reported that on the day after the demise of the Holy Prophet, Hazrat Abu Bakr announced that the expedition of Hazrat Usama will fulfill its objective and that no one from his army should remain in Medina. Instead, the whole army should gather at Juruf. After the demise of the Holy Prophet dissension and apostasy had begun spreading all across Arabia, be it in prominent tribes or smaller ones, whether they were prominent chiefs or ordinary people, and people began to show signs of hypocrisy. At that point, the Jews and Christians began to raise their heads, looking for an opportunity. Due to the demise of the Holy Prophet and the small population of the Muslims in comparison to the vast number of their enemies, their condition was likened to that of goats and lambs on a stormy night. In other words, they were helpless and without any support. Upon this, the people said to Hazrat Abu Bakr, these people consider the army of Hazrat Usama to be the only army of the Muslims. As you are aware, the Arabs have turned against you. Thus, it will not be suitable for you to separate this party of Muslims from yourself, i.e. not to send the army of Osama. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Abu Bakr said, I swear by him 
in whose possession is my life, even if I was certain that predators would consume me as prey, I would still see to it that the decision made by the Holy Prophet to send the army of Hazrat Osama is implemented. In another narration, it is recorded that Hazrat Abu Bakr said, I swear by him, besides whom there is none worthy of worship, even if the wives of the Holy Prophet are dragged by their feet by dogs, still I would not summon back the army sent by the Holy Prophet himself, nor would I undo the flag that was tied by him. Regarding this, Hazrat Muslim writes, When the Holy Prophet passed away, all of Arabia became apostates. Upon seeing this dissension, even courageous individuals such as Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Ali became worried. The Holy Prophet had prepared an army to attack a Byzantine-occupied area and appointed Hazrat Osama as the commander of that army. This army had not yet departed when the Holy Prophet passed away. After the demise of the Holy Prophet, when the Arab tribes became apostates, the companions thought that owing to the rebellion, if the army of Osama was sent to Byzantine lands, then only the elderly, women and children would be left behind, and there would be no means to safeguard Medina. They suggested that a delegation consisting of the prominent companions should be sent to Hazrat Abu Bakr and to request him to hold back from sending the army until the rebellion had been quashed. Thus, Hazrat Umar, along with the prominent companions, went to Hazrat Abu Bakr and presented this request. When Hazrat Abu Bakr heard this request, he replied in an extremely angry tone, saying, Do you wish that after the demise of the Holy Prophet, the first command issued by the son of Abu Qahafa is to stop the army prepared by the Holy Prophet Hazrat Abu Bakr then said, By God, even if the enemy armies enter Medina and jackals drag the corpses of Muslim women, I will not stop the army who the Holy Prophet had decided to send. This bravery and courage was instilled within Hazrat Abu Bakr because God had stated in the Holy Quran, Muhammadur Rasulullah waladhina ma'ahu ashidda'u ala al-kuffar just like when an ordinary wire comes into contact with electricity, it gains extraordinary strength. In the same manner, the people who established a bond with the Holy Prophet became fulfillments of the clause, With regards to the departure of Usama's army, the Promised Messiah writes in Sirul Khilafah, According to the historical accounts by Ibn Sirin, when the Holy Prophet ﷺ passed away and the news of his demise reached the governor of Mecca, Atab bin Asid, he went into hiding. There was an uprising inside Mecca and it was nigh that all its residents would become apostates. He also writes that Arabs became apostates among every tribe, whether from among the elite or the common folk. Their hypocrisy and apostasy became apparent. The Jews and the Christians eagerly looked on. Owing to the demise of the Holy Prophet and the fact that the numbers of Muslims were fewer 
and the enemies were in the majority. The conditions were like that of sheep and goats in a night of torrential downpour. Upon this, people said to Abu Bakr, these people consider the army of Osama to be the entire Muslim army. And as you can see, the Arabs have begun a wave of rebellion against you. Therefore, it is not appropriate for you to send this army away. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated, By him in whose hands is my life, if I know that beasts would drag me away, even then I would certainly send the army of Osama as commanded by the Holy Prophet I cannot annul a decision made by the Holy Prophet Thus, Hazrat Abu Bakr implemented the decision made by the Holy Prophet to the letter and the companions that were part of Hazrat Osama's army were ordered to return. Hazrat Abu Bakr said, Every person who was part of Osama's army before and was instructed to go by the Holy Prophet, they should not stay back, nor do I give them permission to stay back. Even if they have to travel on foot, they will go. Thus, not a single person from among them remained behind. Nonetheless, the army regrouped once again. Owing to the delicate situation, some of the companions again suggested to stop the army from going. According to one narration, Hazrat Usama said to Hazrat Umar to go and speak with Hazrat Abu Bakr for him to revoke the commandment of sending the army so that they could fight against those that had become apostates. Also, so that the Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah and the wives of the Holy Prophet will remain safe from the attacks by the idolaters. Some of the Ansar that were present in the army of Hazrat Usama even said to Hazrat Umar, If the Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, Hazrat Abu Bakr, is adamant on sending this army, then give him a message from us that we demand for him to appoint a commander for the army who is older than Usama. Hazrat Umar went to see Hazrat Abu Bakr at the behest of Hazrat Usama and he informed Hazrat Abu Bakr about what Hazrat Usama had said. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr said, Even if the jackals and wolves tear me apart, I would still implement this command just as the Holy Prophet had intended to. I shall not change this decision that the Holy Prophet had made. In these lands, aside from me, if everyone else perishes, even then I will implement this command. Hazrat Umar then said, The Ansar wish for a commander to be appointed who is more senior than Osama. In reply to this, Hazrat Abu Bakr, who was sitting down, stood up, held him by the beard and said, O son of Khattab, may your mother be bereaved of you. The Holy Prophet appointed him as the commander of the army and you asked me to remove him from his position. Hazrat Umar returned to the people and they asked him what was the outcome. Hazrat Umar said for them to leave him and said, May your mothers be bereaved of you. I.e. he expressed his displeasure and said, Today, because of you all, I did not receive any goodness from the Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah. I.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr was infuriated. 
In accordance with the instructions of Hazrat Abu Bakr, when the army of Osama gathered at Jurf, Hazrat Abu Bakr himself came to Jurf. Upon arriving there, he assessed the army and organized it. The scene at the time of the army's departure is astonishing. At the time, Hazrat Osama was on his mount, whereas Hazrat Abu Bakr was walking. Hazrat Osama submitted, O Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, either you take a mount as well, or I shall step down. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr said, By God, neither will you get down, nor will I take a mount. Besides, should I not allow my feet to accumulate dust for a moment in Allah's cause? For when someone takes one step during an expedition, 700 virtuous deeds are recorded for that person instead of it, and that individual is elevated in rank 700 times, and 700 of their evil deeds are wiped out. Hazrat Abu Bakr then said to Hazrat Usama, If you deem it appropriate, could you permit Hazrat Umar to stay behind, as he can provide assistance in my work? Hazrat Usama gave permission. After this incident, whenever Hazrat Umar would meet Hazrat Usama, even after Hazrat Umar was elected as the Khalifa, he would address him by saying, Assalamu alaika, ayyuhal amir. Since Hazrat Umar was part of the army, and so for that time Hazrat Usama was his commander, Hazrat Umar would say, May peace be upon you, O Amir. Hazrat Usama would reply by saying, Ghafar Allahu laka, ya Amir al Mu'minin, meaning, May Allah bestow his forgiveness upon you, O leader of the faithful. Nonetheless, it is mentioned that at the end, Hazrat Abu Bakr addressed the army and said, I advise you to be mindful of ten things. Do not be dishonest. Do not steal from the spoils of war. Do not break any covenant. Do not mutilate the dead. I.e. do not cut the nose, ears, or gouge out the eyes, nor disfigure the face. Do not kill any children, the elderly, nor any women. Do not cut down any date palm trees, nor should you burn them. Do not cut down any fruit trees, nor should you slaughter a goat, a cow, or a camel, except that which you consume. You shall pass by such people who have dedicated their lives for the church. Therefore, leave them be, i.e. all hermits and Christian priests, etc., were to be left alone. You will pass by people who will present you various foods in different containers. You ought to eat from them after professing the name of Allah. It was not the case that if they present food, they would not eat it declaring it to be unlawful. You can eat it after reciting Allah's name. Then you will meet certain people who have shaved their hair from the middle of their heads, and they would have left their hair all around as if it were bandages. You ought to use your swords to deal with them. With regards to these people, there are various narrations. It is mentioned that they were a group of Christians who were not hermits, but were religious leaders. And they would incite the people to wage war against the Muslims and would also take part in the war. For this reason, Hazrat Abu Bakr clarified that the hermits that were in the churches were to be left alone and they were not to fight against them. However, they were to fight against the aforementioned people and against all those who sided with them because they initiated the war and incited others. 
Hazrat Abu Bakr then said, Depart now in the name of God, and may he safeguard you from all types of injuries and protect you against all forms of ailments and the plague. Thereafter, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated to Osama, Carry out all the commandments which the Messenger of Allah gave you, and do not let there be any shortcoming in fulfilling them. After this, Hazrat Abu Bakr took Hazrat Umar and returned to Medina. Hazrat Abu Bakr sent the army of Osama bin Zayd towards the end of Rabiul Awal 11 Hijri, and according to another narration, he sent it on Rabiul Thani 11 Hijri. Hazrat Usama travelled for 20 nights and reached near the people of Ubna and launched a sudden attack. The slogan of the Muslims was Ya Mansuru Amit That is, O Mansur killed them. In other words, they ought to kill all those who had come out to fight them. Following this, whoever came up against them was killed and whoever was captured was held as a prisoner. Hazrat Usama then ordered his horsemen to ride in their land. Hazrat Usama then remained occupied for the day in gathering and arranging whatever they had acquired in the spoils of war. Hazrat Usama was mounted upon his father's horse called Sabha, and he attacked and killed the person who had killed his father. In the evening, Hazrat Usama ordered the people to depart, and following this he increased the pace of his mount. After travelling for nine nights, he reached the valley of Qura. He then sent messengers to Medina to give the news of the army's victory and well-being. After this, he departed from there and a further six nights reached Medina. In this expedition, not a single Muslim was martyred. When this successful and victorious army arrived in Medina, Hazrat Abu Bakr, along with the Muhajireen and the people of Medina, came out in happiness to welcome the army upon their success. Hazrat Usama entered the city whilst mounted upon his father's horse and Hazrat Buraida bin Husayb was holding the flag and riding ahead of him. Upon reaching Masjid Nabwi, Hazrat Usama entered inside and offered two rakats of prayer and then returned home. According to various narrations, this army returned after having spent 40 to 70 nights outside of Medina. Perhaps it was owing to his love for the Holy Prophet that the knot which the Holy Prophet had personally tied on the flag of Osama regarding that Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that it was not possible that Ibn Abi Qahafa would untie the knot of the flag which the Holy Prophet had tied with his own hands. And so, upon the return of Osama's army, this knot was never untied and the flag remained in the house of Hazrat Osama until his demise. In relation to the impact that Osama's army had, it is written that this army had a very significant and lasting impact. Firstly, all those who strongly believed that the army of Osama should not be sent owing to the circumstances realized how timely and beneficial the decision of the Khalifa was. And they realized that Hazrat Abu Bakr possessed a deep observation wisdom and foresight. Secondly, by sending the army, it established the might of the Muslims amongst the tribes of Arabia and they thought that had the Muslims not possessed such strength, they would never have sent their army. 
they were greatly overawed by this. Thirdly, the Muslims began to be held in awe by the non-Arab nations who were bordering the Arab lands and were closely monitoring the Muslims. The Byzantines would wonder that on the one hand their Prophet had passed away and yet they were still seeking to attack their country. A well-renowned British scholar and Orientalist, Sir Thomas Walker Arnold, writes regarding the army of Osama. Upon the demise of Muhammad Abu Bakr sent the army of Osama regarding whom the Holy Prophet had intended to send to Syria. Although some of the Muslims were against this owing to the state of unrest in the Arab land, however, Abu Bakr silenced them with his following statement, I will not abrogate any command issued by the Messenger of Allah, even if Medina fell prey to wild beasts. This army shall most certainly honour the desire of the Holy Prophet. This was the first of the extraordinary expeditions through which the Muslims conquered Syria and North Africa and brought an end to the ancient Persian kingdom and also acquired the most prominent provinces that belonged to the Byzantine Empire right from their clutches. Similarly, under the name of Hazrat Osama, the Encyclopedia of Islam has written, The newly elected Khalifa, Abu Bakr, commanded that the army of Osama would depart in order to honour the desire of the Holy Prophet. Even though, at the time, there was a state of rebellion emerging amongst the tribes, Osama arrived in Balqa, an area in Syria where Zayd was previously killed. Osama attacked the settlement in Ubna. Owing to this news of apostasy, the people of Medina were greatly worried. However, upon hearing the news of this victory, they were greatly overjoyed. Thus, this expedition acquired a far more significant status as compared to other expeditions and has been considered as a forerunner to the conquest of Syria. Another challenge which Hazrat Abu Bakr had to face was the disorder created by those who refused to pay the zakat. When news of the Holy Prophet's demise spread throughout Arabia, the flames of apostasy and rebellion began to kindle in all directions. Allama ibn Ishaq states, After the demise of the Holy Prophet, the entire Arab land became apostates, except for the people of the two mosques i.e. Makkah and Medina. Following the demise of the Holy Prophet the people of Makkah remained protected from apostasy. The details of this are that Suhail bin Amr, who accepted Islam at the time of the conquest of Makkah, was taken as a prisoner by the Muslims during the Battle of Badr whilst he was still a disbeliever. He had a symbol marked on his lips. Hazrat Umar submitted, O Messenger of Allah, remove his two front teeth where he has marked a symbol and in this way, he will never be able to stand to say something against the Holy Prophet. The Holy Prophet stated, O Umar, let him be. It is possible that one day he might be in such a position that you will praise him. Hazrat Umar wanted to punish him. However, the Holy Prophet instructed that nothing should be done to him, for there would be an occasion in the future whereby he would utter such words 
that he would praise him for it. In any case, he states, this occasion came about when the Holy Prophet passed away and the faith of the people of Makkah began to dwindle. When the Quraysh saw the Arabs leave Islam and Hazrat Atab bin Asid Umawi, who was appointed as the leader by the Holy Prophet, went into hiding, it was in that instance that Hazrat Suhail bin Amr stood up and delivered a speech. He stated, O people of the Quraysh, do not be the last ones to accept Islam and the first ones to turn away from it. By God, this religion will spread just like the moon and the sun spread across the horizon from the moment they appear and until the time they set. Like this, Hazrat Suhail delivered a lengthy address which impacted the people of Makkah greatly and they desisted. Hazrat Atab who went into hiding was called for and the Quraysh remained steadfast on the religion of Islam. Those who left Islam were of various types. An author of Hazrat Abu Bakr's life writes whilst mentioning these various types as follows. The apostasy took various forms. Some abandoned Islam right away and began worshipping idols. There were others who made claims to prophethood, while there were those who continued adhering to Islam. Among them, there were those who continued to offer prayers but stopped giving zakat. Some rejoiced upon the demise of the Holy Prophet and reverted to their habits and actions from the era of ignorance. Some people were left in shock and doubt and waited to see who would ultimately prevail. These different forms have been explained by the various scholars of history and jurisprudence. Imam Khatabi says, that there were two kinds of apostates. The first were of those who abandoned the faith, left the nation and reverted to disbelief. There were two subsections of this faction. The first was of those who accepted Muselma, Kadhab and Aswad Ansi. They accepted their claims to prophethood and rejected the prophethood of the Holy Prophet. The second subsection was of those who became apostates from the religion of Islam by rejecting matters of Islamic law, such as prayers and zakat, and reverted to their faith from the time of ignorance. The second type of apostates were those who chose between either prayers or zakat. They adhered to offering prayers, but rejected the obligation of zakat and giving it to the caliph. Of those who rejected the zakat, there were those who did wish to offer the zakat, but their chieftains stopped them from doing so. The division of apostates presented by Qazi Ayaz is the closest to this. However, he has mentioned three groups. The first were those who adopted idol worship. The second were those who followed Muselma Kadhab and Aswad Ansi, both claimants to prophethood. And the third were those who remained within Islam but rejected zakat and made the interpretation that it was only obligatory during the time of the Holy Prophet wasallam. Then there is Dr. Abdurrahman who says that there were four types of apostates. First were those who adopted idol worship. Second were those who followed the false claimants of prophethood, Aswad Ansi, Musalma Kadhab and Sajjah. Third were those who rejected the obligation of zakat. And fourth were those who did not reject the obligation of zakat 
but refused to give it to Abu Bakr Among the tribes who refused to offer the zakat, the most prominent were the tribes Abs and Zubiyan, which were near to Medina. And then close to them were the tribes of Banu Kinana, Ghatfan and Fuzara. The Hawazin tribe had been cast into doubt and they too refused to offer the zakat. It is recorded that Hazrat Abu Bakr consulted with the companions regarding those who refused to pray the zakat. Hazrat Abu Bakr gathered the senior companions and consulted them regarding waging war against those who refused to pay the zakat. It was regarding those people who refused to pay the zakat but called themselves Muslims. The majority of the Muslims, including Hazrat Umar, were of the opinion that war should not be waged against those who believe in Allah and His Messenger. Rather, they should be included in the efforts against the apostates. They were also some who opposed this view, but they were few in number. According to one narration, the companions advised Hazrat Abu Bakr that those who were opposed to the God should be left alone, and instead he should change their hearts so that faith becomes firmly rooted, after which zakat should be received from them. Hazrat Abu Bakr did not agree and rejected this idea. Hazrat Abu Bakr agreed with the opinion that war should be waged against those who oppose zakat, thereby compelling them to offer it. His conviction in this matter was so firm that after this discussion he powerfully stated, By God, if those opposed to zakat refused to give me so much as a rope which they used to give during the time of the Holy Prophet, then I will wage war against them. This has been further explained in a narration of Bukhari. Abu Huraira narrates that Hazrat Umar said, How can you fight against the people when the Holy Prophet has said, Umirtu an nasa hatta yaqulu la ilaha illallah فَمَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَقَدْ عَصَمَ مِنِّي نَفْسَهُ وَمَالَهُ إِلَّا بِحَقِّهِ وَحِسَابُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ Meaning, I have been commanded to fight against people only until they declare there is no God but Allah. Whoever declares this, their wealth and lives are saved from me except for a right that is due, and its reckoning will be with Allah. As Abu Bakr said, By God, I will fight against those who choose between prayers and zakat, because zakat is wealth that is due. By God, even if they do not give me so much as a lamb, which they used to give during the time of the Holy Prophet, then I will fight against them. Hazrat Umar said, By God, it happened that Allah the Almighty opened Hazrat Abu Bakr's chest, and I understood that this was indeed the truth. In other words, Hazrat Umar later had to accept that what Hazrat Abu Bakr was saying was true. Hazrat Sayyid Zainul Abidin Waliullah Shah Sahib writes in the explanation of the narration by saying the clause sheds more light onto the matter if after declaring that there is no God but Allah a Muslim does not uphold Islamic rights then he can be held liable one cannot be saved from punishment simply by professing belief there can be two meanings of Islam the first is regarding the rights owed in the Islamic teachings. The word haq, which is an infinitive form, can also signify plural. 
The second meaning is that Islam deems it necessary to take this wealth and lives. means that it is necessary. This has been used in the transitive form. The well-being of the people in society depends upon its rights being fulfilled. Just as not paying tax is considered rebellion and worthy of punishment, so too is the refusal to offer zakat. At first, Hazrat Umar did not agree with Hazrat Abu Bakr, but when he heard the argument based on the words illa bihaqqihi, he accepted his viewpoint. This incident shows that the mere declaration of there is no God but Allah does not automatically translate into doing good deeds. The subject of this chapter is the following verse. Whilst repeating the subject mentioned in the above verse, Allah the Almighty states in the same chapter, meaning, but if they repent and observe prayer and pay the zakat, then they are your brethren in faith and there should be no opposition against them. These words prove that a person who abandons any one of these three matters cannot be a Muslim. The five pillars of Islam are mandatory. By stating, Illa bihaqqihi, the Holy Prophet himself deemed spending in the way of Allah as a due right to the weaker parts of society. In other words, it is mandatory for those who possess the means to follow the commandments of Islam and to fulfill the monetary right that is due from them. This will also result in their rights being protected. The conclusion which Hazrat Abu Bakr reached based on the words Illa bihaqqihi shows his deep and vast insight. According to Hazrat Abu Bakr, refusal to offer zakat is rebellion, and a person who does not offer zakat cannot remain part of an Islamic society, and it is necessary to wage war against them on account of their rebellion. Even if Islam has afforded freedom in religious matters by declaring La ikra fid din, there is no compulsion in religion. However, a person who apparently accepts Islam and is granted security by being part of an Islamic society, of which they enjoy the benefits and communal rights. However, if a person does not fulfill the duties and obligations which Islam has established for those who are part of an Islamic society, then they will not have the right of benefiting from the communal protection and right to security. There is no law in the world which tolerates those who break the law and are rebellious. The Islamic system of zakat and alms has to do with a society, not an individual. Its results and impacts are also related to society, not an individual. According to one narration, on this occasion, Hazrat Umar said, O successor of the messenger, win the people's hearts and be kind to them. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr said to Hazrat Umar, You were quite brave during the time of ignorance. Yet now, during the time of Islam, you are showing cowardice. In any case, the outcomes stemming from the conduct of those opposed to zakat and the war waged against them, which impacted them and the others will be discussed in the future, God willing. Today, I would again like to say something about the current situation of the world. Pray that may Allah the Almighty grant guidance and wisdom to the governments on both sides so that they do not cause bloodshed of humanity.
Also, the Muslims ought to take a lesson from this current war and how they have united. On the other hand, despite reciting the same kalima, Muslims never unite. Instead of showing unity, they allow their countries to be destroyed. Iraq was destroyed, Syria was destroyed, and currently there is destruction taking place in Yemen. Instead of showing unity, they allow all of this to be done through others and are also directly taking part in it as well. The Muslims should at least take a lesson of unity from these people. May Allah the Almighty bestow His mercy upon the Muslim nations, upon every Muslim and the Muslim Ummah. However, this can only happen when they accept the Imam of this age, who was sent by Allah the Almighty in his era for this very purpose. May Allah the Almighty grant them wisdom and understanding. And along with reforming their conditions, may they also pray for the world and use their means and resources to stop the world from war. As opposed to joining the war themselves. After the prayers, I will lead a funeral prayer in absentia, which is of Sayyidah Kesra Zafar Hashmi Sahib, wife of Zafar Iqbal Hashmi Sahib of Lahore. She recently passed away. Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. She was the granddaughter of Hazrat Sayyid Muhammad Ali Bukhari, the companion of the Prophet Messiah, and was born to Sayyid Nazir Ahmed Bukhari Sahib. After marriage, she lived in various places. She was married in 1961 and in 1981, she moved to Alama Iqbal town, Lahore, where she was able to serve in Lajna as Sadr as well as Secretary. She was regular in fasting and offering prayers. She was very devoted, kind, hospitable, patient, grateful and was a pious and sincere woman. She had profound love and obedience for Khilafat. She would be at the forefront of participating in financial schemes and would offer her financial contributions at the beginning of the year. By the grace of Allah, she was a Musiya. She was survived by her husband, five sons and a daughter. One of her sons, Mahmoud Iqbal Hashmi Sahib, currently is a prisoner in the way of Allah at Camp Jail in Lahore. He did not get permission to leave the jail, but the administration did allow some leniency whereby his mother's body was brought to the jail and he was able to see his mother for the last time. Amdis are made to face such harsh punishments for adopting Islamic traditions that they are not allowed to leave jail, even to offer funeral prayers, whereas even the worst of murderers get permission to get out. In any case, may Allah the Almighty have mercy on this country's government A case was filed against Mahmoud Iqbal Sahib and three of his friends in June 2019, after which they were granted bail. However, their bail was revoked in August 2021, and the courts sent them back into custody. May Allah the Almighty swiftly ensure for the means of their freedom. One of the deceased's grandson, Asim Iqbal Hashmi Sahib, is a missionary here in the UK. May Allah the Almighty enable him to act upon the virtues of his grandmother and enable the rest of her progeny to do the same. May he bestow his forgiveness on the deceased.